We are on a journey through the Bible, and I, and I love this. I love that we are doing this this year. Uh, I know many of you, we talked about this over the last number of weeks, many of you grew up in the church, especially here in the first hour. You would be my, my church people for sure. Uh, and for those that haven't, that's great too. Uh, but for many of you, you haven't touched on these like basic biblical stories since you were a kid, like flannel graph kid maybe. I'm going to date some of you, right? So like remembering a creation account, remembering the tree, remembering the fall, remembering the flood, the grand deluge, remembering these stories. And so we are wanting to this year, and we're of course in this series, we're wanting to revisit those primary stories in scripture, but this time we want to revisit them uh, through the adult lens. What are some of the big themes that are there and present for us even as adults? So we're doing this as a whole church. Kids are going through it. Uh, Every campus, every location, everybody's going through these stories of scripture, kids, youth, college, everybody's walking through it. And, and I love doing this. And today we are going to be talking about the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel, the division of nations. When I was a kid, um, I went through a season, I was probably 16, 17 years old, right in that pocket. Of course, I'm, so you got to, in your mind, got to create context, right? So there I am, I'm a, I'm a high school kid, 16, 17, small town, northern Oklahoma. Um, we drove pickup trucks, we fished, we hunt. Um, you know, it was kind of a good country boy life in a sense. Uh, though I, was, I lived in our little town, I kind of got to grow up the country boy life. And uh, I went through a season where I was really into... <clears throat> Gangster rap. Now, now, bear with me. So, I'm like 16, 17 years old, I'm driving my my you know Chevy S10 pickup truck. No power steering, no power brakes. Um, you know, half the time, you know, driving from my school to the football practice, I'd have like even my buddies in the bed of the pickup, right? Like just, and we would be listening to gangster gangster rap. And and I remember uh, when, of course, my family, people that I love. Uh, that were Christians following Jesus when they found out that I was listening to gangster rap, uh, they, they would be like, Mike, you can't listen to that. The way it talks about women, the way it kind of prioritizes violence, I mean, it's going to mess with you. And I remember, vividly remember in my mind, throwing out the same excuses that every kid all through history has always given. I just like the beat. The words don't affect me. I just like to be. I don't remember how many times I would say that. Be like, hey, listen, you don't need to, you don't need to worry about it. You know, as a 16-year-old, I'm totally above all influence, right? Like, it's, it's just the beat I like. Nothing else is affecting me. I remember making that argument as a kid. And uh, it wasn't about six, seven months later. Uh, we were hanging out together. A number of us guys were. And, of course, I'm listening to, to, to rap music. I thought, about, I thought about throwing out some names of of rappers, but I decided not to this morning. And uh, we were listening to some music, and all of a sudden, this guy, this guy that I did not know, uh, he, he disrespected me. Disrespected me, like even the language, right? Disrespected me. The next few moments are a bit of a blur in my memory. But I remember, in a sense, like I remember, I remember jumping out of my car I remember like running over to this guy and I remember doing like the, what's up, man? You can't. And, and, and again, this is all kind of blurry in my head. Things came pouring out of my mouth. I did not know 
could pour out of my mouth, right? Like, I started saying and doing things. I was up in this guy's face. I'm kind of pushing him around. He was with this girl that he was, I'm assuming, dating, and and she was actually crying, and things were just escalating out of hand. I mean, it was was going mad. It was going mad really fast. The language, even the hand gestures that I was using, I mean, all the stuff just started pouring out of me. And I remember when it was all said and done, I was back in the car with some of my buddies, and they're like, yeah, dude, nobody pushes. Like, come on, we, I mean, like, 16 year olds, 16 year old boys, especially 16, 17 year old boys. And as I was driving home and my adrenaline, because you know, like when you're in those settings, your, your heart rate, as my adrenaline is starting to calm down and I'm starting to calm down, I remember even in that rebellious time of my life, I remember thinking, where did all that come from? And I'm telling you, man, like the home I grew up in, my wonderful holiness mom, oh, oh, everything's okay. Like my wonderful holiness mom, none of that poured out of her mouth ever. And I remember at one point, like as I was calming down, I remember a thought went through my mind, even as a kid. I wonder if this is affecting me more than I realize. And then I started thinking about what I'm thinking about, right? So that higher level thinking, that metacognition, right? So like, I'm going to think about what I'm thinking about. All of a sudden, I start kind of laying in bed, and I'm thinking about, wow, the thoughts that are running through my mind, how I am thinking about women and what I'm thinking about them. How I'm thinking about myself. I mean, like, ideas that I'm being mistreated. I remember even a teacher at that time, I was like, I mean, this, this whole concept that I'm a victim and I've been mistreated and I need to take my own and you all, I mean, all these things that run through your mind. And I remember thinking that teacher is against me. It's the system, like all this stuff running through my mind. Just the anger, how I viewed myself, how I viewed women, what I would think about them. I mean, even the fact that my mind would slip to violent thoughts. Oh, but it, it doesn't affect me. I just like the beat. Leading into this week, I was going through a bunch of research on it. And uh, I actually stumbled across, this is readily accessible, it's not in an academic journal that you can't get to. Uh, the National Institute of Health has a lot of information on just like peer pressure and how things affect us. And man, there is a tsunami of evidence backing up the idea that you absolutely are massively influenced by what you're giving your attention to. I mean, how you view food, what is good, what isn't good, how you view what is comedy, what is funny, what isn't funny, how you view yourself, how you view like your own self-image, you know, am I pretty, am I not, am I handsome, am I not, am I attractive, am I not? I mean, like, you are massively shaped by what you give your attention to, nearly everything. Nature, nurture, nurture plays a huge part of this. Here's the big idea I want to throw your way, right? And, and, and this isn't even, it is a Christian idea, but it's not just a Christian idea. This is like every research group, everywhere, at every Ivy League university basically has this idea. We are easily influenced. The way I would say it is this. We are clay. Think a potter, think clay. We are literally clay, like God made us from the dust. And we are clay. We are continually being shaped 
by the environments we are in, we are clay. We are continually being shaped by the environments we are in. My friends, the TV shows you binge watch, the news stations you consume, everything is influencing you. This isn't just a Christian idea. This is like everybody that does any level of research gets this. Genesis 11, 1 and 9. Now, before we read the Tower of Babel, the division of nations, I want to be really clear. Uh, like I was a couple weeks ago, we are in a series where we're touching on these biblical ideas where there's lots of thought, lots of research, lots of literature And so because of that, there's a whole lot of different rabbit trails I could go down that are extremely interesting. I mean, one of them that I spent a ton of time going down, more than I probably should have, is where did the knowledge to construct these kinds of things come from? Super interesting. Now, because I just have a limited amount of time in a service on a Sunday morning, and one Sunday given to the Division of Nations, the Tower of Babel, I am going to pluck on the main thread that is one of the primary threads of this text. I know there are many others that you could kind of pull and tug on and explore. I'm going to spend time on the main idea, one of the main ideas in this text, And not go down all of the other rabbit trails, okay? So, with this in mind, Genesis 11, 1 through 9. If you're using the Bible that's in the chair, it starts on page 9. Now, the whole earth earth had one language and the same words. And the people migrated from the east. They found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. Now, this next phrase is really important. A tower with its top in the heavens. That phrase, ancient Mesopotamian phrase, is super important. And let us make a name for ourselves. Yet again, a common phrase that would be really understood by the readers of this when it was originally written, talking about the civilizations they came from. So a tower with its top in the heavens, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they and nothing that they, pros- they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us. Now, again, it's important. Notice the plural language there. That's a great rabbit trail to go down. I won't take it today. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the name, over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused their language of all the earth, the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. To understand the main idea, one of the main ideas in this you got to go all the way back to the beginning of the story, right? So remember how Satan tempted Eve. You take the power. This is the basic idea. We talked about this a number of weeks ago, right? The basic temptation of Satan to Eve is, Eve, 
You take the power to decide what is right and wrong in your own eyes. Instead of trusting in the Lord, you trust in your own appetite. Now, here is the crazy thing that you must understand. Satan is telling Eve, you take the power, but who is shaping Eve to want to think that that's the way to go? Do you see the temptation and the cycle behind it? Right? It's the same way with me and music. When I was listening to my gangster rap, this is the way it goes. Okay, so every, every kid that's ever been immersed in things that are not godly, they have this thought go through their mind. The music gets me. But here's how the cycle works, whether it's the deceiver with Eve whether it's these humans in Shinar getting ready to build a tower, whether it's you immersing yourself in a TV show or music that doesn't honor God, see the cycle. This is the way it works. The more I listened to my gangster rap, the more I was shaped to think that way, which got me to think that the music gets me which made me listen to it more, which shaped me more to think more that the music gets me more. Do you see it? It gets me because I'm shaped to think that way. We are clay. We are clay. Remember Eve at the tree. Now, in this text too, a Mesopotamian ziggurat was the place where gods met with humans. Literally the place where human purpose was decided and decreed. Okay, so now this is important too, whether it's Mayan, whether it's Egyptian, I mean the ziggurats all around the world. It's literally this idea that they are building themselves up to the place where they sit and decide the purpose of humanity. Here's the way to say it. In Judeo-Christian story, a loving God comes to man. So God comes down to Eden, makes man, or even Jesus comes down to us and meets with us. God comes to us. The ziggurat all around the world, man, whether it's Mayan, Egyptian, or all the others, a ziggurat was the place where men were building themselves up to the place of God's. The Tower of Babel was going to be the pinnacle of human rebellion. Literally, think of Eve plucking the fruit from the tree, I decide. But her decision to decide is so shaped by the deceiver. It would be the place, the ziggurat, the height of it, it would be the place where humans become their own gods. That's what they are after. They want to raise themselves up to the place where they decide for themselves what is right and wrong in my own eyes. Little did they know, just like Eve and Adam, it wasn't freedom they were pursuing. Just like Adam and Eve, they had been, they're deceived. Their lust for power over others, their lust for sexual exploitation, their lust for hoarding of material things was going to enslave them to God's. Then, the scariest thing that could ever happen to humanity happened in a plane in the land of Shinar. God gave them over to the gods they thought they wanted. 
I'm going to invite Josh up. I'm going to pull some of these ideas together here. The true God of charitable love, charitable unity, the Trinity gave them what they are convinced they want. And so what's he do? He removes himself and they devolve into nations at war with each other. We are clay. They have been shaped by the whisper of the enemy in the building of the ziggurat. I become my own definer of what is right and wrong in my own eyes. But their lust for sexual exploitation, their lust for hoarding, their lust for power is all the enemy whispering in their ear. You've got to see the cycle and how it works. Right, so... I'm about 18 at the time. I was a senior in high school. And I was invited to a party. And I was on my way out to this party. It was just a high school party. A bunch of stupid kids doing stupid things. Wonderful kids that need a glorious God. That's the way to say it. <laughs> I was equally with them in all of this. And I was getting ready to drive out there, maybe a little younger than 18. might have been like 17, right in that pocket. And all this stuff had been running through my mind. Like, I don't know why. The Lord sometimes allows us to be really aware of how things are shaping us. Have you ever had those like aha moments where you're like watching a TV show and you go, wait, why, why am I watching this? Or you're listening to a song and you're like, Wait, why, why am I listening to this? Or you're on a website and you're like, why, why, why am I here? Like you have those aha moments. I think those are divine God moments where you start to think about what you're thinking about. And so I'm getting ready to drive out to this party and uh, I was dating a girl at the time that wasn't honoring the Lord. It was not Leslie. Leslie does honor the Lord. We had broken up, and when she broke up with me, it just messed me up. It's your fault. No, I'm kidding. It's not your fault. Not your... <laughs> and I thought about what I was thinking about, and I remember what went through my mind is this world that I so think gets me is making me into a kind of person that I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be. I don't want to think gangster rap is what I identify with most. It was like a hunger or an appetite in my heart got bigger that day. Are you aware of how your environments are shaping you? And, and here's even a scarier thought. Are you ready for this? What if God actually gave you fully over to your sinful appetites? Like right now, that battle with lust, right now, that battle with 
with power, wanting power, that right now, battle with hoarding material things right now, that, that battle with what, like these strokes. What if the grace of God that has held that back just said, you can fully become what you think you want. There is nothing scarier than what happened in the plain of Shinar. Even Paul talks about it in Romans. Romans 1, 24 through 25a, the first part of it there. He says, listen, there is nothing scarier, even now in your own place, with your own fights, in your own struggles, your own battles, the places where you're being shaped and you know it into something that's sinister and dark and it's I mean you even know it's not right in your heart like like just listen to Paul's words therefore God gave them up in the lusts gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than creator I mean now think about this there is nothing scarier then God letting that sinful gravitational pull actually have you. C.S. Lewis says it like this, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those that say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Like, he lets them have what they think they want. Lewis goes on to say, all that are in hell, in a sense, they, they choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. And I love the way Lewis then turns this. He says, no soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Like, if you so choose to let go of the loves of this world, and in your heart it's like, I, I know I'm clay, and I know I'm being shaped to like this. The more I think the music gets me, you can use it as a metaphor for your context. The more I think the music gets me, the more I listen to it, which shapes me to think even more the music gets me. And the soul that says, no, I'm done, I'm done. I'm done being shaped into thinking about women this way. I'm done being shaped into thinking about power this way. I'm done being shaped and thinking about money this way. I'm done being shaped. Like, I, I'm done. I don't want this. I don't want to be given into this. I don't want to be molded into that. No soul that seriously and constantly turns from that and desires joy, will ever miss it. I mean, in Lewis, I love it. He quotes scripture. He says, those that seek find it. To those who knock, it is opened. But the Tower of Babel It 
It's the place where men are working to build a rebellion that the enemy has been whispering in their hearts. It's the place where the grace of God protects them at some level by confusing their language. But it's also the place where he lets them be given over to the gods they claim to want. We are clay. We are, we are clay. But the good news is, we are clay. Here's what I mean by that. I mean, it's true that even you all, maybe in the first service, right? Like, many of you in this room right now, you've been in church a long time. And those parts of our hearts, right, that we wrestle with, those things in our hearts that are dark, I mean, the, the crazy thing is, we are clay. You can be shaped out of that too. You can be shaped out of it too. I, I don't want to skip too far ahead in our series. I mean, like, we're only at the Tower of Babel, but there's this guy named Jesus that's going to come into the story eventually. And there is a prime mold that you were made from. In fact, the way to say it is there a prime mold that you were invited to return to. See, in a sense, it can be scary that you're clay because you've been shaped into wanting these things. You think it gets you, how you view money, how you view power, how you view wealth, how you do be women, how you view the world. Like, you're shaped into it. But the good news is you're clay. And there is a prime mold called Christ that you can't be molded into. In fact, the scripture says Jesus is the exact representation and the radiance of God's glory, Hebrews 1.3. Jesus is the new Adam, 1 Corinthians 15.22. And all who model their lives after him will live with him forever, John 6.37-40, through 40, right? And see, here's the crazy good news. Even right now, in your mind, being aware of what is shaping you negatively and then being aware of what you could be shaped into, the likeness of Jesus. Let me just share with you what the nature of Jesus is. The Tower of Babel is sexual exploitation, hoarding of people, power over others, war. This is Babylon Tower. This is the fall of man, the pinnacle of rebellion. But remember, Imagio Dei, remember. God, remember the image of God. Right? So here's the mold that is calling to you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is the mold that's calling to you. It is joy. It is peace. It is forbearance. It is kindness. It is goodness. It is faithfulness. It is gentleness. It is self-control. See, the good news is you are clay. 
and you can be shaped into this mold. The good news is you can do something about your desires. You can shape them. You can shape them. You can shape them. You can shape them. I, in my own life, in my own story, is a 100% testimony. You can shape your desires. I'm going to ask a couple questions. What environments should you minimize? I mean, right now, even now, God, by your grace, let your Holy Spirit speak to us. The places where we've been building our tower, we let it go. And let me just ask some reflective questions, even in a state of prayer. What environments should you minimize? I mean, is there an environment, maybe you're just like hours into news every night, and it, like you know it's shaping your heart into fear, you know it's shaping your heart into anxiety, you know it's shaping your heart into anger and bitterness towards people or other groups of people. Like, the scripture says, love your enemy, and all you can think is bomb them. I mean, like, are you aware of what is shaping your heart? Are there environments you should minimize? It's like, I need to quiet that environment. Another way, maybe there's environments. What environments do you need to run from as fast as you can? There are environments where it's not just minimizing it. Like there are environments you know you need to run from them as fast as you can. They are doing dark things to you and you know you gotta, you gotta stop it. I was talking with somebody the other day that was mountains deep into a porn addiction. This is, this is so interesting. And I was like, dude, how, so like what, what broke it? And he goes, I threw my computer out the window. I thought, wow, that's, imagine being the neighbor. You're like, He's like, then I went and got help. I just had this moment where I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I need to run from this like Joseph ripping off the coat. I got to get out of this environment as fast as I can. I know what it's doing to me. I mean, I remember we were in, when we were in high school, we had these things called tapes, and then we got CDs. And for me, at that moment, my, I got to get this out of me. I got to get this view of women. I got to get this desire for violence. I got to get this, I got to get these words and these images. I got to get them out of my head. And so what we did is we had a big bonfire and we took all this stuff that's shaping us and we threw it in the fire. It's like, I got I to get this out of my head. I got to get it out of my head. It's shaping me. And I can see that it's shaping me and I don't want this anymore. Are there any environments you need to minimize? Are there any environments you need to run from as fast as you can? I don't know where you're at in your story. But I can tell you this. The enemy wants you to choose Jesus with your hands still on something very secular. It's like, I'm all in for Jesus, but I'm definitely going to pull this along with me. Is there something you need to like, no, no. I know in my heart, I'm out. And then the last question I just ask is this. What environments do you need to make priority? So, we are clay. We are clay. 
we are clay. I used to really struggle. So like, again, I, I, gangster rap music. And the more I listened to it, the more I feel like it got me. And the more I feel like it got me, the more I would listen to it. The more I listened to it, the more I thought that way, which made me think that the music identifies. And it's like this whole cycle of being shaped. And then I'd go to church and my pastor would talk about time alone with God. And I'd sit there, you know, as a now 18-year-old or whatever, 19-year-old, I'd sit there and I'd open up my Bible and i think, oh, I've got to pray. And since I hadn't been shaped into that yet, I would sit there and go, there's got to be a verse in here somewhere that's interesting. But the more I turn to it, the more it shapes me. The more it shapes me, the more I turn to it. The more I turn to it, the more it shapes me. Until one day you do open up the word of God and you go, whoa. It gets me. It gets me. It gets me. And then you turn to it. And then it shapes you. And then you think it gets me. And you turn to it. And it shapes you. You think it gets me. And then I start listening to worship music, which I thought Christian music was super boring. And then I start listening to worship music. And the more I listen to it, the more I think it gets me. And the more I think it gets me, the more it shapes me. And the more it shapes me, the more I think it gets me. You see, the bad news is you're clay. But the good news is you're clay. What environments do you need to make priority? I want to encourage you, don't just sit there. We have our next steps cards of God's working in your heart. If you're watching online, you can do this digitally too. I just want to encourage you, if you need to make a decision to talk with a pastor about your spiritual journey, mark it on the card. We want to follow up with you. If you need to start a relationship with Jesus, mark it on the card. We will follow up with you. If you need to choose to be baptized, mark it on the card. If you need to discover more about your spiritual gifts, your calling, what's next, mark it on here. If you need to join a group and get in community, do it. If you need to learn how to share your faith in Jesus Christ with others, like how do I use my influence, mark it on the card. We want to help you take your next step. Listen. I am testimony to this right here. Are you ready? I'm testimony to this. I love. How the word of God is shaping me. And all I want for you is to taste how good it is to break the cycle that makes towers and let God form you into his temple. In your name, Lord, this is all yours. Amen. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.